I'm Ian McInnes. I'm the Muirhead Professor of Medicine in the University of Glasgow. You're doing a talk today about the next decade of rheumatoid arthritis treatment. So what does the next decade look like? Well, of course, to understand the next decade, you've got to understand the one that's just passed. So what I'm going to do is think a little bit about the major advances we've made in the last five or ten years, thinking about the changes in medicines that we have available to us and thinking about the strategies that we now take clinically to use the new medicines that are in our armamentarium. Strategy and medicine together has made an incredible difference for our patients, but we've still a long way to go. We still have a large number of people who are only partial responders to treatment. And even those people who get to remission usually stay in remission only if we keep treating them. So they're, if you like, drug dependent. And the idea of drug-free remission or a cure is simply fanciful for the vast majority of our patients. So thinking back, it's been great, very exciting. But going forward, we're going to have to be smarter and better. And that's what I'm going to be talking about in the Congress here. What has happened in the last decade? Um, what some of the new treatments and drugs that have come out? Yeah, well, we can go into a little more detail. I mean, the new medicines that have come are, first of all, a whole raft of biologic therapies targeting TNF and IL-6 receptor. Uh, we also target cells. We deplete B cells and we target the T-cell dendritic cell macrophage interaction through abatacept. We have some trials that are not yet approved, so we have interest in molecules like GMCSF. And then, of course, the other great revolution has been those are all extracellular therapies. They block either cytokines outside cells or receptors in the cell membrane. We've moved inside the cell and we're developing small molecule inhibitors that block cytokine receptor signaling. Those are the JAK inhibitors and we have several of those approved now for use in different parts of the world. So we've got a whole range of medicines. We, we haven't become terribly smart at using them wisely. So we, we don't really understand what the best order of therapy is going to be. We don't understand what the right drug for the right person at the right time is going to be. We have, however, understood that using them fairly aggressively in a so-called treat-to-target strategy is smart. So that's the second major advance, the, the detail of strategic use and the idea that we set a target low disease activity or even remission for some people, depending on their comorbidities. The idea that we can really aim for that target, escalating therapy as required until the patient's where they want to be and where we want to keep them. And then we generally carry on with our medical therapies. Sometimes we can taper, sometimes we can't. But the unmet need there, of course, is knowing in whom we should be tapering and those in whom we shouldn't. And, and the, the, the trial by error, the, the idea that you go for a target is fine, but you go for a target with what? So great success, but also open questions going forward. So it sounds like in the next 10 years, we're going to be looking at trying to be a little bit smarter about the treatments that we use. What does that look like? Well, I think the next 10 years is going to be divided in several different areas. Well, first of all, what we're going to do is we're going to make... Uh, we're going to make uh, rarities out of common diseases, orphans out of common diseases. What I mean by that is we're going to start understanding the, the subsets of the clinical diseases that we treat. So rheumatoid arthritis is a, an example, is a disease that probably has different kinds and different patients. There are some people destined to do very badly, some people who are probably never going to get terribly badly affected by the disease. So we're going to start to subsegment people into different prognostically relevant groups. Now those different groups then may or may not have molecularly different phenotypes. It may be they have different kinds of pathogenesis or it may be that a given pathogenesis is impacting on a different background. Put all that together, the next decade we'll see us starting to subsegment patients for a given therapeutic input so that we're looking for higher hurdle responses in those patients who have the best chance of achieving that high hurdle response. 
Now to do that, the subsets will be initially clinical, but going forward they'll be molecular, and that's the field of biomarkers, the field of precision medicine, trying to choose better medicines that will give higher hurdle responses in a greater proportion of patients without having the trial and error component. So that's predictability. And in this respect, we'll be following the cancer field who are beginning to break the so-called glass ceiling. We've really struggled to get biomarkers to inform better therapeutic outcomes, but it's starting in, in cancer. Uh, early days still in, in, in rheumatology, but I'm going to show some examples this afternoon using either tissue or, or blood sampling where we can really predict better responses for people. And then, of course, have we got enough medicines? Well, you'll hear people say, sure, we've got enough modes of action. I actually don't agree with that. I think we do need more molecular targets, and I'm going to think just a little bit about how we find molecular targets, how we use the so-called uh, molecular evolution, the whole range of gene sequencing, RNA sequencing, proteomic, metabolomic, biology, all of those brought together focus around high-quality clinical phenotyping to really understand what's going on inside the joints and actually going on within the the immune systems of people who are developing rheumatoid arthritis. And that gives us the possibility, first of all, to find new targets which are immunologically relevant, but it also allows us to start thinking about something else that we've never really considered, and that's the stage of disease. It probably really matters what stage of disease you go in and treat. So we're going to start thinking about pre-disease. We're going to think about the best targets in early disease, the best targets in established disease. We're even going to start thinking about those targets that prevent response. So what is it that makes somebody resistant to therapy? And if you like, that's imposing pathogenesis understanding in a way that it's never been done before. Put all of that together, it's going to be a great decade. That sounds amazing. Um, and is there some work that you've been involved in that is on that cutting edge that looks like it's, it's starting to go into the future? <laughs> well, I'm very privileged to serve as the director of the uh, Versus Arthritis, uh, Rheumatoid Arthritis Centre of Excellence in the United Kingdom. It's a, a four university partnership, uh, Universities of Glasgow, Newcastle, Birmingham and Oxford. And together we've been studying the pathogenesis of rheumatoid now for several years. And in that group, we are absolutely trying to work at the cutting edge. And so we have, in fact, identified new molecular targets within the joint. We're working on therapeutics that will address those targets. We're thinking really carefully about how the precision medicine revolution could occur. So we do actually now have evidence in the peripheral blood that we can use what's called a liquid biopsy. We can start to predict those patients more likely or less likely to respond to methotrexate more or less likely to respond to a TNF blocker or a, a B-cell depleting agent. And so those are the kinds of studies that we've been privileged to be part of in the last five or, or ten years that are giving us that chance, looking back, to, to think forwards. Um, yeah, that sounds very exciting. What, what's an example of one of those um, specific projects? Well, I'm very interested in the field of epigenetics. That's the molecular modification of our DNA or the, 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 the proteins that allow DNA to be unfolded and uh, and, and uh, transcribed. And, and we have identified a number of epigenetic markers, which we actually published very recently indeed, which demonstrate that the promoter loops, that is the actual structure of the promoter of five genes alone is sufficient to predict whether you will or will not respond to methotrexate in treatment naive rheumatoid arthritis. And those are studies that were, were done using the Scottish Early Rheumatoid arthritis cohort and we're now out validating that to see that it works in non-Scottish people and actually really could become a clinically useful tool going forward. And while I've been at this conference one of the things that 
I think has, has come out of the conference because there's so many people from um, all over the world and Asia and countries with different um, different types of patients and different kinds of um, conditions. How do you think that uh, the treatment of rheumatoid arthritis is going to shift globally, um, looking at all those different t- types of contexts? That's actually a very difficult question. It's difficult because it it speaks to so many domains of care, doesn't it? We have medicines, but are they available? Are they accessible? Are they equitably distributed? Are they properly monitored? Are they properly used? And then we have strategies, but that in turn requires healthcare resource and payors and health economies to be focused on rheumatic musculoskeletal diseases. Are they? We've got a lot of work to do politically as well as medically, as well as scientifically to understand our diseases and their impact. So I think at the moment it's very difficult to predict how the global effort against the rheumatic musculoskeletal diseases will go. Having said that, I'm incredibly optimistic. I think we will achieve terrific things in the next decade, not only in rheumatoid and not only in in Europe or in, in North America or, or here in Australia, but actually with a global perspective, certainly in, in my role within the UR organization, that's one of our priorities for the next couple of years, is really thinking globally about both the impact of rheumatic musculoskeletal diseases and also their mitigation. Yeah, well, just walking around the conference and hearing some of the talks, it's been really inspiring. You can see that across the whole globe, people are really working on these problems and and coming up with solutions. Um, Great. Well, thank you so much for your time. That was super interesting to get a little slice of what you're going to be talking about. I'm sorry I can't make it. I've got to get a flight. It's okay. Enjoy your flight. Fly safely and think well.